Welcome into the Thomas Fitch Sports Show on this Halloween mid-morning slash afternoon. I guess we have a spooky-themed episode coming up. I, the only spooky thing was Texas Longhorns getting spooked, losing in Stillwater, Oklahoma. We'll be talking about that, talking about what that loss means for Texas going forward in the season, um, and... Uh, and we'll talk about just some other college football stuff. All that more coming up next. All right, so let's get started. Texas losing their uh, first game since the first game of the season against Maryland. A lot of thoughts kind of going through my head after this game. Obviously, the first thought um, Texas starts off the game slow. Looks like they're going to get blown out. Good second half comeback. Makes it close. Comes up just three points short. Um, but, you know, first thought is, okay, well, there goes Texas' a shot at the, the, the college football playoff. And I think that's what was going through a lot of people's minds. But I think the thing you got to remember about this Texas team was this Texas team was never going to win the college football playoff. Even if they found a way to make it in the college football playoff, they would have been the four seed and they would have lost um, – the first weekend against Alabama, so in a way, I don't ever. I, I I wouldn't say it's not like okay the 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 Maryland loss. I think I can look at it. Most people can look back at it. The team certainly looks back at it and says, okay, that was a game that I think it helped the team by losing because it they had to step back and say, okay, wait, we're gonna have to work with everything we have and play our very best to win every week. And so hopefully they can look at this game as as a similar situation of okay. You know, we can't take a week off. We're going to have to go 100% focus on the next game. And I think there's definitely an extent to where um, coming off a bye week almost hurts this team because I think it's it's a lot harder. Okay, if you have one week, like Texas this week, preparing for West Virginia, they are solely focused on beating West Virginia. After, after the Baylor game, you have two weeks where you've now seen the team move up to sixth in the AP poll. The team now is saying, we went out, we have a shot at the college football playoff. And so I think it's harder to focus your mind around Oklahoma State when, A, you're not playing them immediately. You have two-week break before them. And so I think it lets your mind wander, and it, and it kind of takes away the focus of, hey, we're focusing on this one week. And that's a big thing that I think has helped this team so much is being able to stay focused, the way that they were able to stay focused after the, the USC win, after the TCU win, after the OU win, and stay focused, stay locked in, uh, and win the next game. Um but, you know, while, yeah, it, it does take Texas out of the college football playoff um, contention, and it's a bummer to lose a game, and it, and it definitely makes winning the Big 12 and getting to the Big 12 championship a little bit harder. It, it's definitely a reasonable loss for Texas. Um, definitely a game that you look at and say, okay, like, I can understand why this ha- And, you know, another thing, you know, a lot of people were tweeting about this, but, you know, if you were to tell me that Texas would be sitting at 6-2, and two, at this point in the season, after the first two games against Maryland and Tulsa, I would have taken it, no questions asked. And so, um, yeah, I also probably would not have thought it. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that the next loss would have been to Oklahoma State, would have been to OU or TCU or USC. But the, the fact of the matter is, this team has made leaps and bounds of improvement since the Maryland game. Now, to be fair, this game looked, I would say, a decent amount like the Maryland game as far as slow start. Um, come back in the second half, coming up just short. But it, it, there, there's definitely a lot of differences um, and showed a lot of growth, growth which we'll talk about um, 
in a second, but I just kind of want to finish generalizations about the game before we get into like the uh, offensive, defensive specific um, breakdowns. It really, you know, it, in a way, it felt like Texas beat themselves because they really did um, a lot of penalties. Um, I'm going to try to refrain from talking about the refs, um, but it's going to be brought up at some point. Um, but you know, to be like give, I'm I'm giving Mike Gundy his credit. Oklahoma State executed about as well as any team has against Texas this year. Um, obviously, you know, they're Oklahoma State 4-3 and three coming into this game, not having the best year that they've had so far, but they executed excellently. Um, Taylor Cornelius looked really good. Tyler Wallace just went off. Um, so, you know, Oklahoma State played a great game. And I think when you look at the Big 12, everybody – Every team, and I think this goes universally, from Kansas to Texas and West Virginia and Oklahoma. And and the thing is, all of these teams, when they play their best game, can beat anyone else in the conference. But I don't not not all these like not one team is going to play their best game. This isn't like Alabama, who's going to win. Like you know, they're playing. Doesn't matter who. Like Alabama can play a crappy game this Saturday against LSU, and they're still going to win. Texas plays a bad game against Oklahoma State and Oklahoma State plays a really good game, they're going to win. And so I think that's one thing that everybody has to keep, you know, Texas definitely has to keep in their mind um, as they with, with the Iowa State, with the Tech, with the Kansas games to finish off uh, the regular conference season is if these teams come in and they start playing their A-plus game, Texas should be able to beat Tech, Iowa State, Kansas, talent-wise. But if these teams come in and execute um, – with an A-plus style the way that Oklahoma State did on Saturday night, you, you're, you're going to have to play a lot better, and you're not going to be able to take the week off. There, there are no weeks off in the Big 12. It is, it's not the best conference. Like It doesn't have the best teams. I, I think there's a good chance Big 12 doesn't get a team in the college football playoff. However, it's the best conference as, as far as week in and week out, you're going to get challenged. And every team can beat every team. I mean, Kansas beat TCU this week. And I know TCU's without their quarterback, without Tavante Turpin, but the fact of the matter is, even Kansas is a game that you have to you have to go into saying, okay, wait, let's let's take a second, and we're gonna have to prepare, and we're gonna have to come in and and uh, pay attention to them as much as any other opponent. When Alabama goes into Arkansas, when Alabama goes into Tennessee, they're not saying those things. They're saying, ah, eh, we all we have to do is play pretty good. Now, granted, they have such a good culture, such a good mindset there. They're not thinking that, but they could think that and still win those games. And so I think that's just something to remember when you think about the Big 12 this season. Um, and, and I would say at face level, I'm not super disappointed about that. I, w- I was obviously right after the game, super like as most Texas fans were very devastated about the loss. Um, I think just because um, it's always a bummer to see a comeback attempt come, you know, fall short. You also, it's just, it sucks to lose. But like I've said, we knew Texas wasn't going to win at all. And I've said this in the past. I thought Texas was going to win at least, I mean, lose at least another game in, in, in the conference play. And so, um, you know, when I was looking at the games left, the, the two games that I'm circling on the schedule as far as losses were Oklahoma State on the road and Tech on the road. I'm much more worried about, I was much more worried about this game and the Tech game than the West Virginia game. That's, I think that it's a young team. The guys play better at home. Um, and I think it's also, obviously, I know the players say it's not a trap game. We, you know, you look at every opponent the same way. But I think it is a trap game as, as far as when the team comes into West Virginia this week, A, they're going to be mad because they lost, but B, they're playing a top 15 team. 
and they know they have to play their best. This is what I you know I was I was saying a couple couple seconds ago. Um, going into Oklahoma State, going into Tech, there's definitely that that lingering bit in the back of your mind saying, okay, we don't have to play our very we have to play good, but we don't have to play our very best. And I think that in the back of your mind definitely hinders your ability to, ability to play. Um, as uh, another reason, I'm not super disappointed. Oklahoma State on the on the road is tough. It's a night game. Mike Gundy's a great coach. Um, and, and that's another thing about the Big Twelve is is there's so many good coaches that can win without great players. You know, I mean, TCU, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. These are teams that consistently contend for Big 12 championships, yet are are very rarely in the top 25 of recruiting rankings. Um, West Virginia, I, I would throw them in there as well. And so it's because they're well coached. And, you know, like I said, Mike Gundy coached a heck of a game on Saturday. And so you go into Oklahoma State at night. That's a tough place to play. It's a really tough place to play. Um, and, the, and the final reason I'm not disappointed is the team showed a lot of uh, a lot of resiliency. They didn't quit. They had a great comeback in the second half. And that's just something that I feel like we haven't seen out of this team in the past. The team gets down in the past. They say, that's it. We're never, we're, there's no chance of coming back. I don't, I don't know if any of y'all saw this, but um, there was a clip or, you know, they were showing, showing Sam on the sidelines right before the start of the fourth quarter. Um, and I, I don't think I've ever seen someone with much more. Con- I mean, he was he was smiling. He's getting the guys pumped up. He's saying we're going to win this, and obviously didn't. But that's the kind of confidence I want out of the leader. Of the because t- Sam Ellinger is without question the leader of this Texas team, and that's what I want out of the leader of my team. That's what anybody should want out of the leader of their team is someone saying, "Hey, we're down, but we have this. This this is our game." Because you got to have confidence, and I know there's there's definitely a fine line between cockiness and confidence. But if you have no confidence in your ability, you're never going to win the game. If you walk up to the first tee in golf, you know, in, 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 a, in a tournament or at a round or whatever, and you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play terrible today, you're going to play terrible today. It, and, and it's the same thing with everything in life. But if you go into the game and, and you have no confidence, if you go in the fourth quarter and say, oh, okay, well, maybe if I, if I play really good and we do this, maybe you, there's not a good chance you're going to win. If you go in the fourth quarter and say, we're going to win this game, it's a much better chance you're going to win that game than if you come in without a confidence. So um, the heart and the fight that the team showed really impressed me. Um, let's get into our offensive breakdowns. Um, really, offense and defense both struggle first half, better uh, better play in the second half. Um, and, and I feel like the, the slow starts is something that's kind of plagued Texas the whole season. And, and they kind of bounce off. They feed off each other because uh, the – Defense starts, you know, defense starts slow, gives up a touchdown. So now offense is fighting against momentum. Off- and actually, offense is, I feel like, I think the same thing happened in Maryland. Maryland scores first, Texas comes back and scores. But there, there were way too many three and outs in this game. And the thing that kills, kills you as a team with the three and outs is the fact that you're not giving the defense any chance for a break. And already starting the game, we'll, we'll get to the to playing without Chris Boyd and Devontae Davis in the first quarter in a little bit. But playing the game um, already down two players, and now you're getting – I mean, it, it, they were quick three and outs. I mean, it was like Texas gets the ball back, you look away, you turn back, and they're punting um, in, in the first half. That's that's really how it felt. And and so for the defense, when they're going against Oklahoma State, who, who wisely went uh, up-tempo because up-tempo is – 
really worked against our, our uh, defense well this season. And so when Oklahoma State's going back, going up-tempo, the defense was absolutely gassed, and they give up 250 yards in the first quarter. Uh, 250 yards, 17 points. Um, and so that's something where it's the offense, the offensive poor performance that affects the defense. And when, when you have the two sides of the ball working against each other, it, it's hard to win the game. Uh, now, I will say uh, something that does give me hope about this team um, in the future, Sam looked really good. And I per, completion percentage-wise, it wasn't his best game. Let me pull up his stats. Um, 22 of 42, 283 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. But he had some... He had to throw to Andrew Beck, and he had to throw to Keontae Ingram. That were some of the best, prettiest throws I've seen from him, and I've seen from really any college quarterback in a long time. Um, I know I, I think it was Andrew Beck who said after the game, he, he went up to Sam, and he, or after the game he said this, but he said after he caught that pass from Sam, he went up to him, and he's like, dude, I have no idea how you fit that ball in there. And you know, it's the identical uh, uh, play with Keontae Ingram where – just a perfect right over the shoulder where only the receiver can catch it. And those are throws that Sam just didn't have last year. He had some mobility. He could occasionally hit guys, but he wasn't that accurate. And the fact that he's able to improve the accuracy from just about a 50% guy to throwing just dimes into a place where only the receiver, like those were NFL level throws that he made. And I, I don't think Sam's an NFL quarterback, at least yet. But it definitely gives me a lot of hope of saying, okay, he's actually shown a lot of development. And and that's that's my thing about Shane. That's why I, I've always liked Sam over Shane is I've never seen development from Bouchelle. And when, when you look at him and you look, you look at the way that um, he plays when he comes in, he's, he's an average quarterback. There's a reason why people were saying he should start. He doesn't make as many mistakes. But he's never gotten better. And why it's so big that Sam played a lot last year in his in his freshman year and, and now obviously starting getting all the reps is he's actually improving, you know, exponentially uh, each game. And and so I think any Texas fan needs to look at that and say, okay, you know what? You lost this game. You're out. You're not going to be in the college football playoff. Big 12 might have, you know, it definitely makes Big 12, uh, getting to the Big 12 harder. I mean, Texas still controls their own destiny to make it to the Big 12 championship, but it still, you know, clearly shows this team isn't perfect um, and uh, still has some things to work on. But seeing stuff like that from a quarterback should give every Texas fan a whole lot of hope uh, going forward. Because the way that college football works right now, if you have a good quarterback, you're going to win 10 games every year. Every year. You may not be a, na a national championship contender if um, if you have no defense and maybe you know your receivers suck or something. But if you have a good quarterback, there are very few teams that have good quarterbacks that can't win at least 9, 10 games every year. And, and the reassuring thing also for Texas, not only do they have a good quarterback, they have a very good young secondary. They have a lot of good young receivers coming in. They have a five-star O-lineman coming in next year in the class. Keontae Ingram looks really good. So the future is bright for Texas. And I think I think Texas fans need to hear this this week. And, and I think a lot of fans have, you know, I've, I've seen a lot on Twitter of people being like, I'm mad, I'm very mad about this loss. But it's, it's a different mad than the past because, A, kind of know what was wrong in that game. And, B, 
there there's so much young talent on this team. There's so much young talent on this team. And so I I I, I don't like to say Texas is back, but I do think that these next two, three years at Texas are gonna be really good. I think and and for multiple reasons. I'll try not to be too long winded here so we can get to more stuff, but my so so Kyler Murray's gonna be gone next year because he's either going MLB or going NFL draft. Good chance Lincoln Riley goes. And 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 the reason I say that, why why is Lincoln Riley gonna want to stick around? Um Oklahoma, who has no quarterback, unless they would get a third transfer quarterback. Actually, Kelly Bryant would make sense for them. But, you know, even then that's just one more year, and then you gotta actually find a quarterback for once. So Lincoln Riley's sitting there, he's saying, No quarterback, no defense. I have no team. I could go to the NFL, go to the Browns, go to the Cowboys, if, if the Cowboys were to fire Jason Garrett or someone else, and make a lot of money. And if I mess up, I say, you know what? The NFL isn't for me. Goes back to college football, takes a good – probably go, could probably go back to Oklahoma or go somewhere else, take a, a good, another good job, and continue on, you know, whatever he's doing. And so I, I think you look at that, you say, okay, Oklahoma's – trending downwards um texas is in the place where they can they can command the big 12 for the next two three four years and i think that's why you gotta you gotta have some patience and say you know this is not texas's most this will not we're gonna look back on this season in the next couple of years and say you know this was by far texas not texas's most dominant season but i think it gives me a lot of hope in Tom Herman and what he's done with this program that there is so much. It just feels like the momentum is there for the future, recruiting-wise, talent-wise right now, coaching-wise on the team. The coaching um, that Herman's put together right now I think is uh, is very good. And so I think there's there's just a lot of hope. I think, honestly, in, in my opinion, what we're going to see the next two, three years is there's in, instead of, you know, obviously this year there's kind of three-way three -way race between Tech or not Tech. West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas, think it's going to be um, Oklahoma, Baylor, and Texas Tech, provided Matt Rule sticks around. Um, and and I, I may be a little premature on the Tech thing. They still have no defense. But I think Alan Bowman's a great quarterback. He's a freshman. Um, Charlie Brewer looks really good. And so you get, you get Alan Bowman, Charlie Brewer, Sam Ellinger. Those are going to be fun guys to watch in the future. Um, so a little, little off track, but I, I think the future is bright for Texas, and I think Texas fans need to hear that. And need to say, okay, whatever happens this year, Texas is in is finally in a good spot, in a good spot. And you know, the biggest key to that is just is finding a quarterback. And um, Sam Ellinger's the best quarterback Texas has had since Colt McCoy, without a doubt. Um, people could argue David Ash, but he's just he got hurt too much. Um, uh, one thing that I think would have opened up the offense more earlier on in the game is Sam running the ball. Um, he ran the ball a little bit, but didn't run it a ton. And I think uh, he, yeah, 10, 10 rushes, 51 yards. But I think I felt like a lot more of that was in the second half. Um, definitely shows that he slashed the coaches. I'm not sure who's, because you have some read options. I'm not sure exactly who was calling that. But there was still some hesitancy with the shoulder, which to an extent I'm fine with getting him healthy for the West Virginia game. But I think a couple more runs would have opened up the running game and would have opened up the passing game too. Um because the secondary really did a good job of shutting down the receivers. A.J. Green, um, who had the task of gu guarding Colin Johnson all night, really played a fantastic game. That's a name to look out for uh, in the future. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball. 
Um, probably the defense. I, I'd say it's defense's worst game of this season. But, you know, in, in typical fashion, sucks, you know, struggles in the first half, only gives up seven in the second half. Um, clearly not having Boyd and Davis in the first quarter hurts the team. Um, Oklahoma State scores 17 points, puts up 250-plus yards in the first quarter, playing with uh, um, Kobe Boyce, Anthony Cook, freshman. Um, clearly raw talent. I think those guys will be good. Uh, obviously great to get them experience, but they clearly weren't ready to play in this game, and they just got torched. The whole team got torched. Uh, I also mentioned the three and outs that the defense was just winded. And when you're winded, you miss tackles. When you're winded, you blow assignments. And that was that was what was happening there for Texas. So, you know, and then even you bring in Boyd and Davis and Texas gives up 14 more, more points in the second quarter. Um, a lot of people have been hard on Boyd. And I'll, I'll try to quickly kind of voice my opinions about him. I think he's a good player. I think good is a word that describes him. I think he's a good, like a good college cornerback. And I think one thing you have to remember is when, 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 you're, when you're a fan of a team, you're scrutinizing your players. I don't. When I'm watching other games, I may say, oh, that cornerback had a nice play there. But if the cornerback gets burned, unless they get like really badly burned, you know, if a receiver just makes a catch over them, I never think, oh, that's a receiver's fault. I think good throw by the quarterback, good catch by the receiver. Never once think about the cornerback. And so I think Texas fans scrutinize Chris Boyd so hard just because – you're scrutinizing your own team, and you're going to watch them more intently than any other team. And, you know, Chris Boyd did get burned a good number of times by Tylen Wallace. I think Chris, the thing Chris Boyd lacks is some speed, and uh, obviously with the, the big touchdown catch in the end of the second half, uh, he struggled with this all season, but timing. Um, timing the jump. Granted, Tylen Wallace jumped like 12 feet in the air to grab that ball at the end of the half, but Chris Boyd was in position. And I think... What Chris Boyd is really good at is almost blowing plays, like letting the guy get past him and then like kind of catching up. And he did that in uh, like I think it was the Kansas State game. I'm blanking on whatever, but whatever game it was, um, maybe it's even TCU. But having, you know, you kind of the guy gets past you and, you know, knock it up in the end zone, kind of catch up to him at the end of, end of the play. So I, I, I definitely think the fact that uh, Boyd was a, a Thorpe Award finalist, <clears throat> excuse me, or semifinal, whatever he was, finalist, semifinalist, was a little overrated. I think um, all his draft projections have been a little overrated, but I think he's a good player, and I think he gets a bad rap just because every you know people scrutinize him a lot. And he's also guarding the best receiver against every team. People got to remember that. Um, let's see. Um, one, one thing that I think really hurt Texas in this game uh, I wouldn't necessarily say hurt, but I, yeah, I would say hurt and hurt them in, in the Baylor game. Is the failure to get turnovers. Because the turnover margin is how Texas beat Tulsa. How Texas, I, I wouldn't necessarily say how they beat USC and TCU, but definitely had big turnovers when both both USC and TCU kind of had some momentum in the second half. Um, turnovers is how they beat K-State. Turnovers is how they beat Oklahoma. And... Uh, um, turnovers is how they, uh, actually that, that's it because yeah, Baylor and Baylor and, uh, tech, they, uh, I don't know why I said tech Baylor and Oklahoma state, um, didn't win the turnover battle. And so, you know, in my opinion, Texas gets a turnover in this game and they win the game. 
just because that's that's one extra possession that Texas gets, and especially if they get if they force a turnover in the second half and they're able to actually move the ball better. Um, I think without a doubt, you got to say Texas wins the game. Defense definitely plays better in the second played better in the second half of this game. Only gives up seven points, but unlike other games, I feel like in other games, what Texas has done well is. And, and I mentioned that is is they get stops when they need to. And against Oklahoma State, they didn't get the stops when they needed to. They gave up the big touchdown to Taylor Cornelius um, on I think like the second to last drive Oklahoma State second to last drive for Oklahoma State of the game. And then when they needed to stop to get the ball back and have a chance to go down and score, third down, third and, it was like third and seven, third and eight. Cornelius runs the ball first down, and that was the game. And so I think, you know, I I don't exactly I I don't want to blame the defense exactly for those plays and blame them for the loss. You got to look at both sides and say, okay, both sides definitely struggled in this game. But for a, a, a defense to be elite, and I know there are a lot of good elite players on this team, for the defense to be able to do that, you have to be able to get the stops when you need to, and they weren't able to do that. Um, I didn't love the onside call that Texas went with um, when when they had the uh, um, at the end of the game uh, they score the touchdown. It's a three point game. I think if your Texas three timeouts left, you kick the ball down the field and um, and then you try to stop them on the twenty. The onside kick attempt didn't quite make sense, just because if you if if Texas had stopped Oklahoma State there. Now, 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 Texas is getting the ball back at like the five or the ten. Best case scenario, you get the ball back at the twenty yard line, and so um, I think what Texas needed to do um, was just kick off the ball. And I, and I feel like that also puts a lot of pressure on the defense, being like, okay, you got to get a stop, or they were in, if, if even if Oklahoma State had gotten that first down, and then and then Texas stopped them, they would have been in field goal range, and so. Texas, I, I I think that was a bad call by Herman there. Um, also didn't like how that last drive when Texas scored, um, it really took them um, when yeah when Texas scored they it took them like three minutes on that drive, and so um, that was unfortunate. I want to talk about special teams real quick. Bachevsky has his best game of the season, um, seven punts so far, um, forty three point seven yards per play um and uh yards per punt I, you know and, and it really felt like Bachevsky kind of came into his own felt a lot more comfortable in that game um he had a 55 yard punt had a punt inside the 20 really never missed hit a punt he had one where he was standing in the like literally you know foot on the edge of the end zone and and boots it down there um like 40 45 yards or something like that so a, a good game by uh um by Bachevsky Dicker just kicked uh, PATs, so you know, not not much special teams wise. I I, I do want to talk about the officiating real quick. Um, I want to talk about the officiating um, because I I really like to stay away from saying okay the refs cost us this game um, because it's a very aggy thing to do, and obviously there were a lot of things Texas could have done to win the game, but at the end of the day. There were some crucial calls made by those uh, those officials that if things go a different way, um, if they don't make those calls, Texas wins. 
Um, and uh, one of the plays, I don't know if y'all have seen it. If you haven't, maybe go look it up. But Texas had, I think it was, it was a fourth and one. Texas stops Oklahoma State. And um, Texas stops Oklahoma State. They're going to punt it. They line up like they're going to punt. And then all of a sudden they run. Um, the punter runs up. The two blockers run up. And the whole offensive line scoots towards the middle. Whole offensive line scoots towards the middle. And um, um, they called a, an offsides on Texas because they move and Texas jumps. Because naturally when you're a defensive lineman and you see these guys at the line move, you assume it's a snap because that's what happens. And the the refs called Texas for offsides. Tom Herman gave gave the 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 officials a mouthful as they should have. And and you know even even the the uh, Fowler and Herb Street in the booth were saying that's a terrible call because when you when you I, they said it was simulating a snap because literally everybody but the center moved. They came out of their stance and they all moved together. That that was a big play because Oklahoma State goes down and and, uh, and scores on that drive. So that that affects the game. Then later on, um, there there were some other chippy calls. There was a, a number of times where um, there was one time where Ellinger got hit in the head, helmet to helmet contact, no call. There's a time when Keontae Ingram got hit in the head, no call, and uh, helmet to helmet kind of hit. But uh, I want to go to the last play of the game, or not last play of the game, on Oklahoma State's last touchdown. Cornelius, it's like a third down. Cornelius takes the ball runs around the side and scores. And um, when, you, when you go back and you watch that play, both B.J. Foster and Chris Boyd are held on that play. And I saw people tweeting about it saying, like, you cannot hold a quarterback more than that. Literally, when you, when you watch the replay, Chris Boyd, like, is being, like, his arm is being dragged as Cornelius runs right past him. And B.J. Foster was on that play, too. And, um... I get that college officials are going to miss holding calls. That happens. College officials are not the best officials in the game. That's why they're in college and not professional. We don't expect the best out of our, our college athletes. Why do we expect the best out of our college officials? Makes sense. But what frustrates me is there were some very ticky-tack holding calls on Texas. And um, uh, there was one in the end zone that really probably should have been a safety bit by based on the way they called it, but it really wasn't a hold either. Um, there was a big, it was like a forty. That that was a big pass down to Colin Johnson. There was a big pass, I think, to Andrew Beck that, or no, it was the Andrew Beck hold that nullified that, that nullified another big play, and multiple times where there just wasn't, much, you know, maybe it's like a, okay, like I could see maybe how you could say okay, it kind of looks like holding, but if you're gonna call it one way, you gotta call it the other way. And then the thing that's frustrating about this, this isn't just like, okay, you know what, it was one bad game. This happens every time Texas plays Oklahoma State. Like, there's something sketchy here. Go back to, to the, the uh, um, it, it was, Pache uh, sorry, not Pachevsky, D uh, Dixon's first year, I want to say 2015 when Texas plays Oklahoma State at home. And there's the defensive holding call on, on the lineman, which makes no sense. Then the ref bumps Charlie Strong, initiates contact with Charlie Strong, and they throw the flag. This, this, this is bad calls against oh, like this is what you, Texas knows going into this game like Texas fans when they're watching this game their bad calls are like oh figures it's Oklahoma State and I I, I don't want to say that T Boone Pickens is paying off the refs but the, because 
obviously, I, maybe he just pays off the refs for the Texas game. Obviously, if he paid off the refs enough for every game, they'd win every every year. But it it certainly seems like there's some sketchy stuff going on whenever Texas plays Oklahoma State, officiating-wise. Um, I don't think I'm a big enough figure to say, like, manhunt, witch hunt, let's go get T. Boone Pickens in Oklahoma State for cheating. But I, I even tweeted this. At the end of the game, there was some chippiness. Brecken Hager gets into it with uh, Oklahoma State player when they're taking a knee, and um, uh, Gundy, they're kind of fighting. Gundy starts running on the field, starts yelling. I don't exactly know who he was yelling at, but he's yelling in the direction of Texas players. So Tom Herman comes running on the field because he's saying, okay, if, if Gundy's going to be yelling at my players, I'm going to go out there and yell at his players kind of a thing. Or Really, it's just a yelling match between Gundy and Herman, which is fun. Um, but if you watch that play happen, Gundy runs out there unimpeded by anybody. Herman runs out there, and he has five officials in his face holding him back. That doesn't show bias. I don't know what does. Um, and so I, I, I wouldn't say, like, officials completely cost this game. I think it's possibly a different outcome if there's um, some better calls made. Um, I also think Texas also should have just won this by their own merit. But, you know, at the end of the day, the score is what it is. And bad calls are made in, in every game, and that's just something you have to live with. Um but I think looking forward to next week's game, like I said, I think I feel I, I feel very confident about this team because I know that they're going to be coming out mad and I know that they're going to be fired up and I know that they're going to take this West Virginia team with the absolute since most sincerity because Texas now has to be a, okay, this is not a, okay, let's look at the Big 12 championship game. We can lose a game or two and still be there. This is There is no more margin for error for this team, and I think that's good, and I think they know that. But... You know, I think the question for this West Virginia game is how do you force Will Greer into making turnovers? Because that was how Kansas almost beat them. That was how Iowa State beat them, is pressuring Will Greer, forcing him to make mistakes. And um, and that's what they did. Um, Will Greer had four turnovers against Kansas. So I think if the Texas defense can win the turnover battle, can get pressure on Will Greer, and meanwhile, Ellinger and, and the Texas offense is able to keep up. Hopefully, Ellinger, I, I think, hopefully by this point, Ellinger is going to be completely 100%, not even thinking about the shoulder injury. Um, ho hopefully see more of Keontae Ingram like we did in this game. I think Texas has um, Texas has a good chance of, uh, um, of winning this game. All right, well, that's all we got for this week. Uh, make sure to tune in next week for a little uh, West Virginia recap. And just another plug... Um, our uh, recurring guest, uh, friend of the show, Arya Bastami, showed his uh, his OU diss track a couple weeks ago. Has a uh, EP album dropping on Monday, so make sure y'all go check that out. I've I've heard a sneak peek of one of the songs, and I'm completely being honest, one of the best songs I've heard in my life. So y'all make sure to go check that out. Should be Spotify, um, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Music, all of that um, on Monday. So, anyways, from the Thomas Fitch Sports Show, I'm Thomas Fitch. Hook 'em horns. Everything.